Now that so much of our client contact is virtual, it's especially important to create your best internet presence. How do you do that? And what are the most common mistakes you should avoid? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. One of the things that I'm asked most often about is social media and websites and how to connect better with an audience and what mistakes people are making. And those of you who know me know that I'm a StoryBrand certified guide. So my particular approach to helping people with that kind of content is very austere. It's tell me what you do, tell me what you want me to do. But there's a lot more to it than that. And we asked Tom Molesic, who's the founder and CEO at Easy Solution, to join us today because that's all he does, and he's an expert at it. Welcome, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Oh, we're glad you're here. So um, let's talk about digital marketing writ large. Is it different? Because our audience is made up of folks who are solopreneurs and mid-sized agencies and also some really large companies. Is it different for different size enterprises? It might be different in terms of the in the scale of how much digital marketing you're going to do, but the basic concepts should be identical. So explain, what are the basic concepts? So the idea with any kind of content marketing is what do you talk about, whether it's a podcast like this, or it's in video, or it's a blog, or it's a Facebook post. It's how do you produce content that makes your audience know and understand that you're the expert and you're the one they should call when they have a specific problem that you solve. So the content can be real small little snippets like a Facebook post, or it can be a very long blog or buyer's guide. Okay. So if you're going down that road and you decide that you want to do that, can you sell while you're putting those messages up or should they just be informational to give value to your community? Oh, good question, David. So it can be both. So you never want to just do sell, 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 and you don't want to do just educate, 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 right? There's this blend of how much are you giving tips or really high-end educational materials compared to when are you then really trying to sell and generate a lead or an appointment. So think of it in terms of balance. Okay. So, but do Facebook and and LinkedIn and some of the other social media platforms, do they have any restrictions on whether you can overtly sell or not? And if they do, is it okay to do it from a company page versus a personal page? What are those restrictions like? Okay. So on Facebook, you can run Facebook ads and you would do that from a company. Whereas LinkedIn, you could do specific in-messages and that would come directly from you. So it's really going to depend on the platform. And 
you know, within both those platforms, they all have their own kind of unique restrictions depending on your industry. And, you know, I've often heard that a lot of people get really annoyed, especially in LinkedIn, if you're out there overtly selling. Is all that's required the kind of balance that you talk about, or should it be, you know, 95% informational to, to increase your credibility and your authority and maybe then occasionally something to sell? I think I'd weight it heavier in the something to sell on LinkedIn. You know, maybe maybe you're doing 25% something to sell. If you're running ads, those ads are going to be more geared towards selling than if you're putting a post on your page. But, you know, you could put up a, a post on your LinkedIn page and at the bottom, you know, hey, call me for more information or call me. I'd love to chat about it. So you can always kind of add those kind of messages to it. So when you're looking at those those sites, those kinds of platforms, what makes you cringe? Oh, boy, I never really thought of that. I think that maybe the thing that makes me cringe is somebody that's marketing to me that I'm so not their audience, right? So I'm, I'm okay with stuff that's, that's within the realm of things that I'm interested in. And, you know, particularly in Facebook, it's, it's really easy to drill down on who your, who your audience is. So I, I'm, I'm probably annoyed at, at things that don't relate to me at all. And as a general rule, I, I really do get stuff that relates to me and I'm, I've been known to, to buy stuff and, you know, click on that Facebook ad and then make a purchase just like most of us have, you know, you, something sparks your interest or looks cool. So most of the folks who listen to the podcast are, are B2B folks. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how do you then, if, if you want to do something on Facebook, how do you determine your audience and, and can you geofence it for lack of a better word? Because some folks are, are only in-state plays, depending on their licensing. Some folks are regional and some folks are national. Yes. How do you handle that? You can absolutely do that on Facebook. So you can create an audience. So I know your audience deals with uh, business owners or the C-suite. So within the Facebook platform, you can really drill down on who your customer is. And you can then say, I only want I only want CEOs within, you know, these towns or within so many miles of here. Um, so you can really, you can really get specific, which is nice. The other thing that Facebook does that most people don't even know that it's possible is you can export any kind of list that you have. So you might have a prospect list or maybe you have a customer list and you can take that list and you can pull that into the Facebook ads manager. And then Facebook will try to find that individual's personal profile on Facebook, and now you can market to a specific list that you have. Interesting. Right? Because, if, yeah. So if you're, you know, I know, David, you work with sales teams and, and help them close better. And if we could run ads to that list that they're prospecting all the time, then that's just one more touch or influence with that company. Like, oh boy, I just, I see you guys all the time. And that's, that's one of the things that Facebook, I think, really excels at is this drip marketing, right? So that it's this brand awareness. And to some degree, it's almost like it's a billboard that you can specifically say, I want these people to see my ad. Interesting. What, what kind of budget do you have to have to, to play around in a meaningful way? Once, once you get done A and B ads, and we'll talk about that next, but what kind of a budget do you have to have? I wouldn't have a budget less than $500 a month. Okay. Is it cumulative? Like back in the old days when I did radio, they would the station wouldn't sell somebody a single spot because they knew it wouldn't work. So is, is if you're talking about a $500 a month commitment at a minimum, are you talking about you also have to commit for a certain number or, or at least a reasonable number of months? I wouldn't do it for less than three months. Okay. So 
you know, you're trying to generate a campaign and generally marketing campaigns are never kind of one hit wonders, right? It, it builds on it. And in most cases, Facebook isn't necessarily an isolated campaign. It's an added campaign to other things that you're doing. So if you're doing email marketing or uh, that's a nice addition to that, right? Because now it's, it's almost like Facebook is stalking that, those people. Interesting. And they just see you more and more. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. And so let's go back to something that I asked you about before. I'm a marketer. I write copy. I've been doing it for, I've been writing professionally for over 30 years now. You never know which copy is going to resonate with which audience. Yeah. So there's a technique that a lot of people don't do. They just dive in and go, wow, this isn't working. So we're not going to do it anymore. And that's called A-B testing. Talk a little bit about that and, and why that's valuable before you go whole hog. Yeah, it's it's valuable even when you're all on. So especially with Facebook, so people get kind of ad fatigue. So really throughout the campaign, we're running multiple ads and we're tracking what ads get clicked on, what ads then do they fill out a form on your website. And then we just keep dropping the lowest performing ad and creating a new ad. So that we're always in this process of kind of bettering the best ad. And you could call that A-B testing, but I don't know that I necessarily think of it that way. I, I think of it in terms of I've got this great ad and it might be great. And then all of a sudden in a month, it stops being the great ad. And if I'm constantly adding a new ad into the cycle, then I'm always seeing which one pulls better and gets us better results. So it's really a question of having some variety up front in your campaign and then being careful to watch the metrics. You got it. Yeah. It, marketing is always to me about the metrics, right? There's no sense spending money that you can't track and measure and say, was this worth it? Now, you know, most marketing is not an instant quick fix, but you should be measuring it over time. And the good news is that, you know, whether it's Facebook or Google ads, or even just organic search engine marketing, there are metrics that you can track beyond you know, impressions. So we could track form fills and you can even install call tracking on your website so that it displays a unique phone number. And then you could log into the call tracking dashboard and actually listen to those calls to say, was, was this a real lead or was this just a spammer or was this an existing customer, you know, that clicked on my ad and then used the call track number. And that kind of tracking would be external to the platform. That's correct. So the platform allows you to put a little bit of code on your website so that we can see it go from Facebook over to your website. And then from there, we can track it to a form field or to a phone call made to you. 
Interesting. So yeah. let's we, we've said the word website about a half a dozen times so far. <laughs> let's pivot a little bit. Sure. And let's let's talk about websites. As I said, I'm I'm a story brand certified guide. And so I have a kind of formula that I like using that I know works, that I know resonates. And I see all kinds of crazy stuff. What are the biggest mistakes, the top three or whatever that you see when when you look at somebody's website that they built and they're very proud of, but it's not working for them? Yeah. So the first mistake is that it looks horrible, right? That it looks uncredible or they barely look like they're in business. The second big mistake that they make really falls into what you're talking about with the messaging. And it's a company that just, their website just talks about them and doesn't talk about the customer's problem or how they solve the customer's problem, which is all, you know, a lot of the core of StoryBrand. And they'll have, like, if every sentence starts with your company name, you're making a big mistake. If you're using technical jargon that nobody understands, like, you're making a big mistake. So it, it really, if it websites should really follow the content strategy of what's the problem you solve. Like, identify that, that pain, fear, and frustration that the customer has. Explain how you help them solve that problem and what you want them to do next, right? So do we want them to call you? Do we want them to fill out a form? Do we want them to download a white paper or a buyer's guide? That's really the big process that we see companies make huge mistakes with. And, and the, the main reason we see that is that most people hire a graphic designer, web designer to do their website. And they're not thinking about that you need a professional copywriter at the same time so that you marry the, it looks really nice and it, and it sounds good when, you know, when they read it, that they go, oh my goodness, these, this company really understands the problem that I have. Yeah. I cannot tell you in my practice how, how many times I have conversations with web designers and they want to put the kitchen sink on a website. And it's very difficult, even just to get them to kill the menus, the drop-down menus at the top, it's very difficult to get them to kill all the stuff that distracts from, here's your problem, we understand it, we have empathy, we have authority, we know how to solve it, here's what I want you to do. Yeah. And so I, I, com- I completely and, and totally agree with that. Have websites kind of gone in a cycle, though? I mean, for a while, they were just kind of cute sales brochures, and then they got a little bit more austere for a while, and then they became... We have to put everything and the kitchen sink on this website, and we have to have 12 pages deep and describe everything we do in mind-numbing detail. And now I think, again, maybe it's my bias as a story brand guy, but it seems like they're coming back a little bit more. Have you seen that? I think what happens is is that once a company has a website, it grows over time. It kind of becomes its own little Frankenstein monster of, well, let's add a section for this. Well, now let's add a section for that. And sometimes it just takes a little step back to say, do we need this section? How do we organize this content so that it makes more sense? And I think it's really about taking that little step back and making sure that, that what you have on your website is what the customer needs. When clients ask you, what's the purpose of having a website? What will it do and what won't it do? What's that conversation like? It really depends on the customer and what their goals are and what do they want it to do for them, right? So there still are businesses that just want it to be very brochureware. You know, let me give you some information and information about our company and our services. And then you have really the core of what we see the most of is lead generation websites. So the goal of that website is I want the visitor to call me or fill out a form, and then there's obviously e-commerce, which is its own, you know, buy now kind of thing. But we definitely 
have seen um, websites really change over time. And I think people are starting to understand that that having a lead generation website is going to benefit them so much better than just having a brochure website. Right. So, I, you know, there's, so there's, if I understand you correctly, there's two things that you want to be able to do with your website. You want to give somebody the idea that you understand their problem and that you can solve it. And you want to give them uh, uh, two, really two call to, calls to action, right? You want to give them the call for an appointment or whatever that button says. And then you want to give them maybe a, a lead generating PDF where you can capture their, their email and their name and, and such so you can market to them on a sequential basis. That's correct. So in terms of good websites versus bad websites, do you have a, a general feel as to how many pages you like to see? It really depends on the business and how in-depth and how many services they have. Generally, we don't see websites too often that are less than seven pages. And, you know, it can really go up to hundreds of pages depending on, you know, it, if you would count a product as a page, right? So if you could have a e-commerce that has thousands of products, in which case it would be very large. And obviously, the more blogging you do, every blog essentially becomes a page, so it really depends on the business and what makes the most sense. And we talk about blogging a lot with, with folks, and we talk about it for two reasons. One, for the reason that you just mentioned, and also because even if nobody ever reads your blog, even if you decide you're not going to publish it, it makes you better at telling your story. If you look at somebody's at a website for, for somebody who's been writing a blog for a while, can you actually, because I can as an author, can you actually see a progression a progression of that they become a better writer. Yeah, if, if I gave you five blogs from a post and didn't ask you and asked you to tell me which one was written first and which one was the most recent. Yeah, interesting question. I never thought of it that way. Mostly because we can't ever get our clients to actually write blogs, so we write it for them. So for our clients, it's it would be hard to tell. You might change. You might tell if we changed writers on the blog, right? But if most small business owners really struggle to, one, they don't feel competent in being a writer, which is why we see that it's so challenging for them to write blogs. And we never let them write copy on their website unless they really are copywriters, because it's, you're just going to get something that's horrible. I understand that. I mean, one of the, one of the things that, that has worked occasionally is I, I'll, I'll tell a business owner, Take a tape recorder and make believe you're sitting in front of a prospect and talk about the last story that you told or the last interaction that you had and then get that transcribed because that's a blog. Yeah. You may need to change it a little bit, but that's about most people think they can't write, but they can communicate. And writing is just a way of communication that's committed to paper or in this case, screens and bits and bytes. Yeah, that, no, it's very true. Well, and the other thing you could do, you know, you could do video blogs instead of written blogs. Do you find with your clients that video terrifies them less than writing? Uh, both terrifies them. <laughs> both of them are e equally as scary. And I think there's some, some piece of it is that they're terrified and some piece of it is they're just too busy. So it's hard to get them to move beyond, listen, I'm busy doing my day-to-day -day job and taking care of customers. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have time for all this marketing junk. Can you, just, can, you, can you all just take care of it for me? So that's probably more what we hear. And that's probably because we're not, my business isn't in the business of training you how to be a web designer, training you how to be a writer. And there are plenty of businesses that do that. We're in the, we do it for you kind of business model. So we've got about a minute left. Where do you see all of this going in the near term? Oh boy. Um, 
That sounds like a fire alarm. It does sound like a fire alarm. That's the first fire alarm we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. You bet. Have a good day, David. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. 